MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. Today, we're going to talk about the election. I'm your host, A.G. All right, everybody, if you were with us for our live broadcast yesterday, you would know we are still awaiting results. I am recording this right after that broadcast. So I have the exact same results that you're about to hear in some of the interviews we had on that live broadcast. We're going to talk to Rachel Vindeman. We're going to talk to Frank Figaluzzi. We're going to talk to uh, Andy McCabe. Oh, it was so great to hear from him, too. And uh, a couple other really great guests. You don't want to miss today's show. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And then we will be back uh, for a full regular old episode tomorrow with more results for you. And it's going to take a minute. So remember, we just have to count the votes. Andy, Andrew McCabe is with us. Hi, hey, how are, are you? you guys? Great. Uh, How's it going? Good. Stressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm as stressed as everyone else. I'm sure it's a unbelievably anxious time for the whole country and um, as well it should be. There's a lot hanging in the balance. Uh, I'd like to have you thank your uh, former colleagues at the FBI for investigating the people who tried to run the Biden-Harris bus off of the road. Um, what? <laughs> I mean, are you surprised at all? I mean, it's just... Um, no, no. <laughs> you know, I, I was on uh, CNN the other night talking about this, and I feel like I didn't really cover it very well. Um, th- all, that is a great example, but... Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to, that there have been a lot of other instances of similar behavior today, but these are really local law enforcement issues. I mean, the, the responsibility is on state and local police to get involved and to, um, you know, resolve uh, clearly dangerous situations, you know, obstruction of the motorway, whatever that might be like. Um, it's not. So what the FBI is doing is almost less relevant than what local and state officials are doing to protect the citizens and um, to make sure that everyone has access to a voting, uh, a voting place. So, um, yeah, thank God that didn't turn out worse. It certainly looked pretty bad from those videos that we've all seen. Um, and it and, and and it elevated everyone's concern about what might happen today. Although I haven't heard too many reports of significant disruptions at polling places, so that's a good thing. Are yeah. you worried about violence at all tonight, tomorrow? I we got an email from my kids' school. I live in Chicago, saying like, "We'll see if we're going to have school tomorrow with violence." And I was like, "I, I don't predict it, but I, I don't know what's what's your sense." You know, um, well, I mean, first of all, like, yes, I'm concerned about it because like, that's what I do or that's what I did. And um, so people in my line of work, like we were constantly preparing for the worst uh, alternative. So, and I'm sure that same sort of preparation is going on right now between local and federal authorities to make sure that they have the right folks in the right places to respond. Um, But I also, I don't know, maybe I'm, Maybe I'm uh, ridiculously optimistic, but I feel like um, I, I some part of me feels like the concern about violence is a little bit 
overblown that like we've always enjoyed a history in this democratic republic of respecting the results of the election even when you don't like it and so i hope um you know obviously to the deepest part of me that that holds sway and that people as frustrated or upset as they might be um they don't resort to any sort of uh you know violent protests um but we'll see it could happen and i think people need to be prepared um it's certainly good to kind of keep that that possibility out there in your mind we just had Sam Vinograd on talking about national security and she had warned us. And we know we've been talking with about this with Peter Strzok. We've heard it from Chris Ray. We've heard it from the FBI press releases about the red mirage, about uh, the, you know, the, the chaos that's going to try to be sown between now and when the results are, are certified. Can you give us maybe some hints on, you know, because we only want to share information that is true and accurate. Can you give us some hints on or some tips on how to, to spot inaccurate disinformation or propaganda? Sure. So as with all kind of propaganda issues, you have, I mean, people need to rely on their own common sense and understand the sources that they are relying on. I think that's really kind of part of the problem right now is that people live in these bubbles of self-curated, um, news feeds in which they don't they only hear from the people that they like and they only you know consume the news that uh from sources that they that they approve of which is really kind of dangerous and can be deceptive it's better to hear a cross-section of everything that's out there um so that's a kind of a standard caveat the other thing that i would suggest as we go forward over the next few days it is likely that we will have a series of challenges, legal challenges. You know, the Republicans and the president have been talking about this, about challenging things like counting uh, ballots that that arrive that are postmarked by the date required, but arrived days later, things like that. So I would really caution people against indexing too hard on the legal arguments, right? So each side is going to try to cast that argument in the language that's most favorable to the point that they're trying to make. And so if we focus very closely on, you know, what, for instance, the Republicans say in their challenge to hypothetically the electoral uh, counting of of absentee ballots in Pennsylvania, then you tend to process that as like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. It's not actually what's happening. Those are legal arguments. Those are very talented lawyers who are being paid a lot of money to frame things in the light that's most persuasive. So take a breath, step back, and listen to how the courts actually decide these issues. Let's focus on what they say rather than the arguments that are being made in front of them. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask about, we've been talking about for months now, the fact that Trump will not commit to a peaceful transfer of power. But what never follows that is what does that look like exactly, right? I mean, it's just kind of a, you know, just a, just a blank there. I have no idea what that would look like if he decides just not to concede. Yeah. You don't know what that looks like because none of us it's know what never. that looks like. It's never <laughs> happened here, right? We don't know what happens, you know, do like... you. Do uh, troops go storming into the White House and drag him out, kicking and screaming? I don't. I don't think that will ever happen. But 
Um, it's a very, very strange place that we're in. We've never confronted issues like this. We've never thought about a uh, contender for the presidency, much less an incumbent president who has has even signaled that he might refuse to go, you know, to comply with the results of the electorate. So we're not sure. But I actually don't worry too much about that. I think that once there is a, um, a very clear, um, you know, once we're past the challenges and there is a very clear result to this election, and if, in fact, that result is negative for the president, I mean, this is just my opinion. It's worth what you paid for it. I don't think he's going to stick around. This is not a guy that wants to kind of languish in failure, you know, and that's what it will be. It will be a massive failure on his part. Um, I think that he'll probably, I think there, there are more reasonable concerns about will there be an effective and uh, informative transition from one administration to the next? Uh, there's a lot of questions about that, but I think I, I don't anticipate a, a, a you know, uh, like him barricading himself in the uh, residency or something in the White House. I think once the result is clear, he will, um, I think it's more likely that he'll probably just take off. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I can't imagine anybody that uh, would be on, you know, a Biden team really needing to hear what Ratcliffe has to say <laughs> about <laughs> Does no, anybody need to hear what Radcliffe has to say even <laughs> no, now? I mean, that's he's here. He's going to read us in on the latest intelligence information. Everyone's just like, get the fuck out. You know, yeah, like, we, no. don't need to, we don't need to hear from you. Uh, but thanks very much. Say hi to Rudy for us. Bye. You know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Andy, it's been wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much. This is definitely uh, an historic week, I'm going to say. Uh, yeah. And um, how I just want to make sure before I let you go, how this I want to know how the skateboarding is going and how Jill is in the family. So, um, Jill is great. Hey, Jill, come here. Jill is awesome. <laughs> Jill is like working her you know what off in the ER every day. She is on the front line of the war against COVID. And um, she's my hero, as always. Got her on because she's rocking the blue wave tonight nice. and um you know like she's just doing it and protecting the children and the families in loudon county from covid that's what's really important right now so um i'm so proud of her and yeah the skateboarding my daughter is away at school so i'm skateboarding much less which sucked but i did get out today and i almost tripped and i thought like <laughs> i thought it might like if I trip and break my front teeth, it would be a really unfortunate appearance on your podcast. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you for thinking not. of us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for thinking of us. Jill, it's great to see you. I love the sign. And I wish you and your family the best. Andy, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Keep it alive. And thanks, AG, for all your support. You're just awesome. Love you. Thank you. Love you, Thank too. You. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Did you hear that? Andy McBabe loves me. <laughs> Did you say McBabe? Yeah, that's what we call them. We call them the McBabes. All right. We are about to be joined by uh, Rachel Vindman. Rachel, how are you? 
I I don't know. Um, <laughs> first off, I am actually uh, a little shocked and honored to be on after David. Uh, he's kind of a uh, I am an admirer, and my husband is as well. So um, it's I feel very out of my depth here, but. Um, yeah, I don't think we were really expecting the way it's currently going. I mean, my husband is an eternal optimist, always an optimist. So that makes it hard when, you know, I'm a bit of a realist. But um, how are you guys? Yeah, you know, I think what's interesting is, is seeing all the places where the vote for Biden is so much better than it was for Clinton. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, Florida's not going a great way. And, and there's some some downsides there. But seeing like these suburban counties, uh, and mm-hmm. of course, we don't elect a president by popular vote, unfortunately. And, you know, who knows what that means at the end of the night. But it still is a promising sign, I think, that uh, like some of these sub- suburbs outside of Kansas City that are going blue that didn't in 2016. Right. Like that's that's yeah. really good for the future. What it means for the present, I don't know yet. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely true. I, I mean, I think, you know, as, as people have been commenting all night, I think this is a lot about who we are. And, you know, we need to really examine that. Um, Every generation has to do that. Every generation has to really examine and determine who they are on their own. And, you know, this is, I guess, our reckoning. We came, we just, you know, spent 20 years uh, mired in conflict a lot of that time. But, you know, at at the turn of the century, we were, uh, you know, really riding high. And I think we, this is, this is our time for reflection. and our time to decide who we want to be. So um, I'm not making plans to move to Canada or anywhere else. So we're here for the long haul. And, you know, I think it's uh, no matter what happens, still very proud to be part of this country. And, you know, as I've said many times, we are the beneficiaries of so much love and so much support from the American people. And what that tells me more than anything is, you know, as Anne Frank said, there's still more good in the world. You know, it's a, it's a matter of what you choose to see. So I hope people won't lose heart as I'm sitting here freaking out a little bit. But no matter what happens, <laughs> yeah. there's no reason to lose heart because we, the people, are the ones that make our country, our community, you know, what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to myself more than anyone else, I guess. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you, too, because you said that your husband is the internal optimist. And I was wondering if, as the night has gone on, what he may have said to you to assuage your anguish, because I want to hear it. <laughs> he just came in and was trying to tell me something. And I was like, get out. I don't and I, I don't have the bandwidth to listen to what you have to say. So sorry. I guess I should have paid attention more. Um, he. uh you know, I mean, he's a numbers person. He's a data person. He's a soldier. Uh, you know, he's so the, these are, don't ever take me to war, but uh, you take him. I mean, he's he's going to stay in and fight no matter what it looks like. I'm, you know, might freak out, but uh, that's not true. Actually, one time I was literally in a war um, and um, I was in Gaza when the Israelis were bombing it and I had to walk across the border. It's like a mile. 
and uh, and the Israelis were bombing Yasser Arafat's house, so um, and I survived. So uh, I was able to keep my wits about me for a short period of time. But um, he, you know, anyway, yeah, I think he's just completely looking at the numbers and the data right now. But no matter what, you know, he's not going to. He's not going to freak out. He still believes in this country, and um, yeah. So he's just sort of waiting for more returns. Is that yeah, kind of absolutely? I mean, I think you know we all want to see Ohio, Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know when I got on Michigan, and Michigan was not so good, but not a lot of reporting, and uh, as well as I guess Wisconsin. So. Um, you know? Yeah, that's kind of what we were waiting for too. Yeah, yeah, we have to wait and see that. But um, I don't know. How are you? What do you guys think? I think we're in the exact same boat uh, as pretty much every and everyone we've spoken to uh, as well. You know, we just talked to David. We had, but although we did have uh, Andy on earlier, and Andy seemed really optimistic. Uh, Andy McCabe seemed mm -hmm. really optimistic. Um, and we've spoken to so many incredible women who are working to get women to run and who have, have run mm -hmm. and uh, are increasing the number of women um, that are not only running for elected office, but also getting into law and justice and, and, and yeah. those areas. And so mm -hmm. that's been very heartening. I think there's a lot of change um, that's happening regardless of the W's and L's that we're seeing. And, you know, I always have to keep like keep reminding myself that when you start watching election returns, the whole South comes in first and it's, and it's, oh, it's a little throws you off your axis a little bit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, with these Ruby red States, but uh, yeah, well, I just like you, I think we're waiting to see what happens up in the great lakes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, I, but I think this is a lesson, no matter who the winner is, um, we have a lot of healing to do in our country. We have a lot of examining to do. We need to figure out where we are and who we are and what we want to be. Um, I know that no matter who wins, you know, there's a lot of people who are on the other side, who, who you know, who feel differently. So we've got to figure out a way to talk to each other, to come together um, you know, to sort of, to bridge this divide. I mean, the things that I guess I'm concerned about are, are obviously, you know, our system, our laws, our, you know, our, the idea of values. Um, yeah, I think some, it's going to be pretty scary in the short term, but I think we can rebuild. I think we have a great system that we can, you know, build on and work, work from. So, you know, it's, it's important to keep that future view and, you know, keep, keep that distance so that we're not, you know, missing the forest for the trees and, you know, yeah. keep, keep that long view and keep thinking about what we can do. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. And, you know, I was saying in the, the last segment that we built so much in 2016 that we can mm -hmm. keep building on. And mm -hmm. uh, AG, like you just said, all these women uh, who have stepped up to run for office and to help other yeah. women run for office, like we didn't have that in 2016. We're all paying so much more attention now. And, uh, you know, I really do think uh, the the morning after the 2016 election, my dad, who is, you know, formerly Republican, middle-class white guy texted me and was like, I didn't think this was the country that we were. And it, 
it didn't, that election didn't make us the country we were. We were, you know, we were already a country that could elect Donald Trump and we're still a country that can elect Donald Trump no matter what happens tonight. It doesn't change overnight. It's a, it's a process. It's a, it's a long-term building these things that can get through, that can help people. And so all of that remains true. Like it's going to, be terrible, right? If Trump wins and it's going to be hard, but all of those things remain true. No yeah. Matter who the president is. And and yeah. something else that we've, it's sort of a silver lining over the last four years are the communities that we've built mm-hmm. together of support um, of people who believe in our institutions and the rule of law and what patriotism actually is versus when it's bought and paid for, for television, you know, mm-hmm. Um, and and what what a true patriot is like your husband Rachel like Misha Yovanovitch like Fiona Hill uh, and just uh, Peter Strzok Andy McKay like I could I could go on and on and list all just so so many incredible people who will stay will stay in the fight and that we have this group that we've built to carry each other through it I think is mm-hmm. is something that's like. I, Mary Trump, for example, um, we what a gem of a human person, and and now we just I feel like we all have just broader shoulders to stand on with each other. Mm-hmm. No, I I completely agree, um, and I think that's you know what we need to focus on in the coming days, and you know if this. If the president wins re-election, I mean, it's definitely not good, but I think we need to look at, at you know, what the positives are and certainly the communities that we've created. I think community is important anywhere, um, whether it's your physical community, you know, around you or it's, you know, people just, you know, various networks that you have on social platforms or another forms. So I think it's, um, you know, what we need to rely on. We need to find people who share our voice, who share our views and our values and know that there are people like that out there who understand, who feel the same way. And I think there's great comfort in that um, always. Yeah, just think prior to the last four years, none of us would know each other. <laughs> no, it's so true. You know, and I think we would just, you know, just go on our merry way and not be much about it and not just uh, not connect. And, and there's a lot of power in that. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's still, you know, you might be part of a group and everyone has a different background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a, a richness for that, you know, this this just rich tapestry that you know we're able to be part of and meet different people and you know get different perspectives on things and how we all kind of came to the same place and the same view. It wasn't like you know the thirteen original colonies or you know that came or, or you know, even before, yeah I guess there were colonies but you know when people came here and everyone was in their own area but they didn't you know really come together for a long time. They came here just to be separate, meet to be together. But separate from everyone else. And that's not what we have anymore. We are a cohesive group. And I think we can take pride in that. And and again, I drove past when I was parking this couple, they had like all the Trump stuff, uh, bumper stickers and everything. And then when I walked by, um, you know, uh, I guess like the 
woman came out and she had the car and they were putting it in. It was a big truck. And I just made a comment. Oh, you, you have the perfect vehicle for coming to Costco. And we chatted for a little bit. They had no idea who I was. I mean, obviously they wouldn't, but you know, and I thought I can find something in common with them. I mean, even if we don't create anything, I can be nice to them. And that was my victory for the day. It, it really buoyed me, you know, but that whole day to think like, I could connect, I could be nice. And they were nice. They might hate my husband. They might hate me. But we can still find some way to say something nice, to be nice. And I think if you can do that, you win. Yeah. And you, if Washington can't reach win. across the aisle, the citizens can. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's true. It's true. Before Alex went to the White House, we took a, um, a trip to some national parks and we were, uh, we went to Yellowstone and we drove all the way back to Glacier. We drove all the way back to um, DC. There's so many people who, you know, thought very differently than we did and we saw that but you know everywhere we went we made a point of talking to people Alex is really good for an introvert really really good at talking to random people and there were people who gave him advice about Russia they didn't even know he was going to the White House and he was like a Russia subject matter expert or anything but people had a lot of thoughts and he would just listen to them and he learned something from them I don't know if they learned anything from him but he learned something from them their perspective how they arrived at those thoughts and feelings you know, where, where they were coming from. And, you know, those experiences really inform, you know, wh where we are and how we think. And that's what we have to reach. We have to reach people yeah. on a human level. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, Rachel, it's been great to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. And Thanks, guys, for having me. Okay, fingers crossed. Yes, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks, guys. Have Thanks. a great night. Bye-bye. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know how much I love my pod pets, especially my pod cats. Uh, we've got Bruce Willis and, and boobs, and my love for them is you can't you can't even measure it. And that is why I would do anything for them. But as much as I love them, I am not fond of their litter boxes. They don't smell very good. And, uh, you know, everything from cleaning cleaning them, covering the smell, it's just a battle. And that's why I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is kitty litter reinvented. Unlike regular, traditional litter, it's super light crystals trap odor and release moisture, resulting in dry, low-maintenance litter that doesn't smell. And Pretty Litter is virtually dust-free because it's manufactured with a special de-dusting process. Less dust, no fuss no smells. Pretty Litter arrives safely at my door in a small lightweight bag that lasts up to a month, so it's just so low maintenance. And now that I get the litter bags auto-shipped, I don't have to deal with last-minute trips to the store, which is safer. And shipping is free. But above all else, here is why it's amazing. It's a health indicator. It monitors my cat's health by changing colors when it detects potential underlying issues, and you won't find that kind of innovation in conventional litter. So now the podcasts say yay because they have the best litter ever, and I can get some peace of mind too. So get the world smartest litter without leaving home by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code dailybeans for 20% off your first order. You have to try it. That's prettylitter.com, promo code dailybeans for 20% off. prettylitter.com and promo code dailybeans. Frank, how's it going? It's going about as well as it's going with you. We're all, you know, we're all hurry up and wait right now, AG. And I, I think, I, I don't think there are any great surprises tonight. I think um, we knew this, we would be, we'd be in for the long haul tonight. And, and here we are on the security side. I've got some, I've got some thoughts. If you want to talk about what's going on there. 
Yeah, please. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear what you have to say on the security side. We've we've talked to uh, Sam Vinograd, who who expressed you know the, the, probably the same concerns that all of us have, uh, as well as uh, Andy McCabe was giving us tricks and tips on how to avoid the red mirage that we may see this uh, this evening. Indeed, I, I think. Look, so far, um, what we're hearing and what's being reported, and I'm you know I'm monitoring things with NBC News, for which I have a nice relationship with, and. They've already told me that uh, I need to be prepared to go on NBC Peacock, the digital streaming launch of NBC. And I'll be doing that at 145 Eastern. And then I'll be up all night because they've got me on some early shows on MSNBC uh, slated tentatively. So here's what we're monitoring tonight. A couple of things. First, um, as someone who comes out of the national security side and a career at the FBI, I'm, I, I'm feeling a sense of pride tonight because of the reports that U.S. Cyber Command has taken down both Russian and Iranian operations to, to mess with this election. Um, NBC News has confirmed what originally was reported tonight by CBS, which is that there was a strike um, electronically against uh, Russian hackers attempting to mess with the election. Not further defined, by the way. Love to learn more about that. And then the Washington Post reported, and NBC has confirmed, that we also took out an Iranian effort um, to, to hit the election. So um, what goes on, you know, we're all tuned to the electoral count and the map tonight, but I think we should say a, a quick word of thanks for the men and women of the intelligence community who have been quietly, professionally doing their jobs and trying to preserve this election. So that's that's good news coming out. And then on the physical side of security, we're watching the crowd carefully at the White House. There is a very large crowd there. We're monitoring that because the crowd is both sides. The crowd has some bad actors, um, certainly from the far right. And there, there have been some minor fights break out with the police and so, you know, the police are watching it, we're watching it, and we, we don't know where that's, that's going. But, but here's the, so here's the good news, though. Nationwide, as you know, we, knock wood, we have not yet seen violence materialize. And so I'm, I'm going to be very careful about not necessarily predicting what that means for, for what many of us have called the flashpoint period between the election and the inauguration. However... However, thus far, it appears that people are waiting and seeing. Um, but I, I also have some hope in the fact that we haven't seen wide-scale physical disruptions of polling places. And, and that what that might mean is that Trump may not have the hold and sway over these extremist groups that we have perhaps thought. And I'm, I'm reminded of my days in the FBI when we'd have some badass top 10 fugitive that had been threatening to go down shooting. We won't take him alive. And when we show up in force, they throw their hands up and surrender. So I don't know, I don't know what this means, but I'm very, very pleased by it. And we've got to watch and see what's going on. Well, I think it probably is a testament to the fact of, you know, what, what you and I talked about, Frank, that this was all bluster. Um, so a lot of bark and no bite. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think everyone to be, to err on the side of caution and safety, we're, we're taking precautions. Uh, and I think that that also alerted a lot of people and, and, and concerned 
uh, a lot of people too, like people, you know, people boarding up businesses and buildings and things right. like that. Uh, but yeah, I, it does seem to be that that was out of, uh, of an abundance of caution. Yeah. And, and look, as with any kind of radicalization process, which is what I've referred to this as, it comes down to the leader, the perceived leader and, and how he, how they key off of him and, and how he responds to whatever it is that happens tonight and tomorrow and the next day. And, and we'll be watching that closely because they will and have a track record of responding to his prompts. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, what um, are your thoughts on what's going on with the post office uh, with Judge Sullivan ordering a sweep of everything and, and DeJoy saying, no, we're not going to. Uh, and now there's a conference, there's a hearing tomorrow at noon about this. I'm, I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are on this and what, what sort of repercussions there could be for that, for ignoring that court order. So, so on the one hand, none of us should be surprised that over the past four years, when we've seen a complete thumbing of noses at all of the, the law and order, all of the legal processes and rule of law, where nobody shows up at congr for congressional subpoenas, um, where we load courts, et cetera, we, we shouldn't be surprised that, that the Postmaster General just blew off a federal court order. Now, now, however, who amongst us thought, you know, a year ago that this would all come down to the post office? And, and you know, and maybe it will, and maybe it won't. But the, the next question is, so, okay, Judge Sullivan's going to hold a hearing tomorrow and, and maybe even hold the Postmaster general in contempt of court then the question is so what right now, right. now we have a total mess because if we've got say three hundred thousand votes sitting in post offices and if that is relevant then what do we do with those votes and that that goes right back to courts starting at the state level all the way to the supreme court so you know a kind of nail biter scenario would be Yes, the amount of mail sitting in the U.S. system is going to be determinant or could be. And now we got to figure out legally what to do with mail bins full of uncounted, undelivered ballots. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 definitely going to be a concern. Uh, well, Frank, thanks for joining us. I uh, appreciate you stopping by and uh, we'll keep in touch. Good luck with the all nighter. And uh Let's let's talk again tomorrow. Let's touch base again tomorrow about what's going on around the White House and stuff. Sound good. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sorry for the freezing up, but uh, this was the Russians. It was the Russians, Frank. It's there you go. <laughs> take, take care. Sam, how are you? How am I? I don't even know how to describe how I am right now. How are you, ladies? Uh, I mean, we're talking. So as long as I'm talking, I'm not looking at what's happening. <laughs> I'm with you. I've been trying to fill my day with a lot of phone banking, getting out the vote, and then just talking to people as we wait for some reliable, reliable polling results to come in. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to talk to you. And um, I appreciate you stopping by. What are you are you watching Florida and are you throwing up in your mouth a little? Like what's going on kind of? Uh, if I can be honest, I've been throwing up in my mouth a little for four years, four plus years. Um <laughs> I am watching Florida. Um, I'm seeing the CNN coverage um, with my colleagues at the Magic Wall and elsewhere with some early early voting results. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just waiting for some more reliable numbers here. So, certainly, I can't pretend that 
my heart doesn't leap every time numbers come out in favor of Joe Biden. And I can't pretend that my stomach doesn't drop whenever numbers come out in favor of Trump. But I think we just have to wait a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to note if 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 Florida goes for Biden, we can all go. To if better. Florida goes for Biden. Yeah, we can all um, celebrate but, a little bit. Although that said, you know, the one thing the one thing I think we all have to be aware of is that um, regardless of if if and when Joe Biden wins Florida, President Trump has been trying to suppress the vote and trying to cheat his way um, into a win for a long time. So yeah. um, despite what happens tonight, I think we all just have to be conscious that there will likely be more more obstacles thrown in our way. I mean, just what he's done to suppress a vote to this point, um, whether it's with the Postal Service or misinformation or what have you. So, you know, God knows what rabbit he will try to pull out of a hat in battleground states if he doesn't win. Yeah. Uh, and it's also of note that if, if Trump does win Florida, uh, there are still... A, a multitude of paths to relatively easy victory for Biden. So it, it, do, it doesn't mean that, you know, I just want everybody to be aware. And it all doesn't come down to Florida. That's exactly right. right. And my, my political analyst colleagues and pollster colleagues that are much better at this stuff than I am have laid out various scenarios in which Joe Biden could win if he doesn't, doesn't win Florida. But again, I don't, I don't want to rule Florida out at this point. I think that, you know, folk, folks may even still be in line down in Florida. So I think we have to just wait and see what the what the county by county results look like. And then, you know, people are still voting. So we have to be careful not to kind of tell everyone what the verdict is going to be in Florida when, you know, polls don't close in other battleground states for a long time. So mm -hmm. uh, we just have to stay a little bit patient with all that. Yeah, 100%. What are the national security implications? Uh, I mean, obviously, people know what to expect with a clear Biden win or a clear Trump win. But if this is sort of up in the air for a month or <laughs> hopefully not a month, but even a week or two, like, when, how does the rest of the world react to that? Well, there's kind of two factors that we have to consider here. One is something that the FBI specifically warned about, which is that foreign adversaries will likely try to really leverage and exploit any period of uncertainty about who the next president is to spread confusion, sow divisions, and to spread misinformation. So right now, I have to tell you, I have been like triple checking everything I tweet, everything I retweet, because the information trolls and bots and all of it are out in full force right now, not to mention the fact that Rudy Giuliani went on RT, a Russian foreign agent network this morning. But so we have to be aware that this time is gonna be fraught with misinformation attacks and we each have a responsibility to really make sure we're, we're really reading and amplifying verified sources. But in general, I think that the longer this goes on, um, our, our democratic institutions will face further strain. That kind of weakens the narrative that the United States is a reliable leader of the liberal demo democratic order. And frankly, a lot of officials have been preparing for and potentially expecting unrest. I mean, it is, we've seen the cardboard barriers all over our cities. But in addition to that, we have National Guard units mobilized at the state level. Um, federal and local law enforcement have up patrols, um, have more law enforcement personnel on standby in case there's unrest. And so the, the propensity for physical violence is not insignificant, not only because the president, as recently as last night, encouraged it. I mean, when he was commenting on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court verdict, you know, him saying this will incite violence was basically like, hey, guys, go out and be violent. 
if this doesn't go our way. So I, I think we have to be aware of all those risks and just I'm hugely grateful to law enforcement um, personnel, intelligence officials that are just trying to keep us safe right now as hard as Donald Trump makes it. Yeah, right. And you can't you can't ignore the fact that I think it was last night where news came out that he had a non-scalable fence or barrier put around the White House, which sends a message yeah. that I mean, it's very performative because where exactly is the violence coming from? Right. Um, it's kind of sends a mixed message. Certainly. I mean, he well, it's not mixed messages. It is political propaganda. I mean, right. To be clear, just as Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said, I fully condemn any violence, whether it's by members of the left or members of the right. But if you just look at the numbers, the majority of, of, of violence over the last several months, the number of arrests have been by members, anti-government protesters, domestic extremists. Um, and, you know, this false narrative about, quote unquote, Antifa doesn't actually hold up in terms of numbers. We've seen a huge uptick in white supremacist violence. And again, these anti-government protesters, whether it's the Boogaloo Boys, the Proud Boys, or other associated groups that are part of this anti-government movement, have contributed to a large degree of violence over the last several months. And if results are contested, if results take a long time to be certified, remember, they're already fueled up, right? There are, I want to just reassure everyone, there are currently no indications at least publicly, of any kind of plan for coordinated attack or coordinated uprising or whatever you want to call it. But we do have um, these extremist groups um, and anti-government protesters that already have gripes about COVID-19 related measures, the protests this summer and perceived government overreach. So that's something that the law enforcement personnel are tracking. And again, Trump and Bill Barr are mischaracterizing the threat for political purposes. And look, I mean, they use chemical agents against peaceful protesters in Lafayette Park this summer so that President Trump could go wave a Bible in front of a church. So this fence is performative, um, for sure. I don't doubt that there are increased threats or a heightened awareness right now, security environment in Washington. But regardless, they've used oppressive measures as people are just exercising their core democratic freedom. So that worries me, too. It's like they're going to use any excuse to kind of paint the left and peaceful protesters as dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, Sam, thank you so much um, for stopping by. Uh, I really appreciate it. And my pleasure. You know, we have to be so, you're right. I think that the main takeaway here from our Uber Super National Security Council specialist is that we have to be very careful about the information that we read, retweet. We had Peter Strzok warn us personally and uh, we've had Chris Ray put out videos. We've had the FBI put out press releases. We have to be very careful because we're very vulnerable in this period while we're counting votes to this kind of disinformation and chaos that they're going to try to sow. 100%. And thank you guys for having me. And good luck over the coming hours with whatever your coping mechanisms are. I'm going to keep calling my mom and <laughs> try to calm you down. Good plan. Good plan. All right. Thanks, All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Hey, everybody, it's AG reminding you to eat your veggies with daily beans. Why? 
because this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. This pandemic has not just tested our economic endurance, but it's exposed how important it is to have a healthy immune system. That's why I recommend you take the superfood powder Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition every day. While other health products boast one vegetable, Field of Greens is packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables. Plus, it also has green tea, ginger, turmeric, and beets. This powerful combination not only supports heart health, but it can support a healthy immune system, healthy metabolism, good blood pressure and digestion. Field of Greens is loaded with antioxidants, prebiotics, probiotics just one scoop in a glass of water stir and you're done so why settle for one vegetable when you can have the entire field of greens add field of greens to your daily routine and see why our powdered greens have earned more than two thousand five-star reviews so go to fieldofgreens15.com to get 15 percent off your first order with promo code beans at checkout that's fieldofgreens15.com available in two flavors regular and wild berry both taste delicious fieldofgreens15.com and use promo code beans Barb McQuaid is here. Hi, Barb. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks. Great to be with you guys. It's good to be with you. Uh, So we have a lot of legal challenges coming up. We were just talking to Andy McCabe about this, and he had pointed out that we need not listen to the Republicans' arguments, but more about how the decisions come out. And, And I'm so glad that you're with us, because I think maybe you can give us a little insight into that, because... I, I've noticed, and you know, I'm, you know that I'm not a lawyer, but some of the arguments that that the Republicans are making in these cases just don't stand to reason with the way the law works in the United States. So maybe you could shed a little bit of light on what we can expect from some of these cases that we're going to see in the next week or two. Yeah, well, I re- it, it, this this passage will give you an insight into what the Republican strategy is. I read today that the Trump campaign or Republican groups are involved in 40 lawsuits relating to this election. And in exactly zero of them, are they advocating to expand the rights of voters to, to vote? I mean, it's all about suppressing the vote. That, that, that's the MO, that's the strategy. Um, and you'll notice that they're filing lawsuits in a lot of these swing states, um, efforts to stop curbside voting, efforts to stop votes from being counted if they arrive after election day, even if they were mailed on or before election day, uh, that's that's been a big one. Um, trying to invalidate a rule about requiring witnesses to absentee ballots in Alabama. So there have been a number of those. But as you just said, it seems pretty consistently uh, across the board that mostly these efforts to suppress the vote are failing. In some instances, they're prevailing. Um, in some states, there are rules that say ballots that are not received by election day cannot be counted. And if those rules were made by the state legislature, even before COVID, they're typically letting those stand. But some of these other things, uh, typically the efforts to suppress the vote are not prevailing. So overall, I'm feeling pretty good about the outcome of most of these lawsuits. Uh, How do you feel about the Harris County? I think we've now seen the Fifth Circuit say no, but they reduced the number of drop-off locations, you know, drive by or not drive by, but, uh, you know, drop-off locations. (laughs) Drive by, throw the ballot out. (laughs) (laughs) So drive by voting Uh, uh, from 10 to 1 in Harris County uh, for day of voting. But uh, I think they're now appealing on Bonk to have the full panel hear what the the Fifth Circuit has decided. Do, Do you see this? 
I don't see it getting passed on bonk, but I'm sure they'll appeal to SCOTUS. Do you see it even going to the Supreme Court? It seems like a lost cause. Yeah, I mean, here we are on Election Day, right? And the idea was about how many uh, ballot boxes could be required in a particular community. Uh, you know, the, one of the reasons we've gotten ourselves into some of these binds is because most of the rules that are written for elections were written pre-COVID. And then suddenly we've got this huge burst of people voting absentee. And so they, they may um, take it on bonk to you know have the full court take a look at it, but it would certainly only have a prospective uh, application now that here we are on election day. I don't think we're going to see any meaningful change about the number of ballot boxes that are showing up anywhere. One where I, I am keeping my eye on that, that could have an impact on this election yet to come is in Pennsylvania, where uh, we saw the Supreme Court tied four to four uh, result in maintaining a lower court order that said ballots that were um, mailed on election day but not received until up to six days later could be counted, but that they would segregate those ballots so that if the decision changed later, they would have the ability to do so. The 4-4 decision came from the Supreme Court on an expedited uh, decision. Um, and so it is anticipated that they will bring that back through the normal course of things, not expedited, but bring it back. And this time, Amy Coney Barrett would be on the court to break that 4-4 tie. And so imagine a scenario where you have Joe Biden win Pennsylvania in a very close race. And then the Supreme Court says, you know, all those ballots that you counted that came in after Election Day? Yeah, you shouldn't have counted those. Count them again and, and take those out. And if it's close, very close, and those ballots were, you know, favored Joe Biden by enough of a margin, you could see a flip in Pennsylvania. And if it comes down to Pennsylvania, it could flip the election. So I hope it doesn't come to that. But I think that would be a, a replica of Bush versus Gore, which I think was very damaging for public confidence in the outcome of the election. It seemed like we had a, a fair number of legal challenges and things sort of leading up to the election, but not that much that was happening during the day today, not more than you'd expect. Is, is that Was that your sense of what was happening today? It is. And I, I have to say I'm quite relieved, right, because I think that everybody worried, I don't know if everybody, I worried about some sort of, not October surprise, but election day surprise, where there was some, you know, lawsuit, some aha thing that people didn't see coming. But in fact, it was a pretty uneventful day. I think the other thing we all worried about was having um, massive voter intimidation scenes. I know here in Michigan, we were concerned about people bringing guns to the polls and intimidating voters, but we really didn't see any of that. Um, I, I know the Department of Justice had observers going around to polling places around the country. I think I heard uh, some of the normal human error machine glitches that happen every election, but nothing extraordinary. So in many ways, I think it's been a big relief that uh, you know people were able to cast their their ballots and uh, those are being counted. The I think the one thing that will account for some delay is just the extraordinary number of early voting, vote by mail, absentee ballots that have to be counted that in some states can't be counted until today. And it may take them a couple of days to get through all those. So it could either be a very late night or uh, we may be up for a little bit of a marathon here for a few nights before we know the outcome, kind of depending on how things shake out. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised um, the thing that you mentioned about the violence and the voter intimidation, not necessarily violence, but the potential for violence and voter intimidation with people you know, going to the polls with guns, that didn't really materialize. And I know that that was a fear for a lot of people for, for weeks. I mean, Trump himself would tweet out, you know, protect the polls or protect the ballot with go to an army for Trump.com. And he was clearly sending a message that that's what he wanted his constituents to do. We didn't see that materialize. And I don't know why. 
right? I mean, there were some instances here and there, but, you know, not a huge, you know, formalized effort. I think it's yeah. because he doesn't have as many supporters as he thinks he does. True. <laughs> like, I feel like there's like a room of like nine guys, like, let's do it. And they're like, oh, there's only nine of us. And then they just decide not to. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I don't know. You know, I, I do think it helped that when there was, you know, that caravan in Texas that, yes. I don't know if you saw that video, there was a video of it of, you know, even trying to push cars off the road um, in a very menacing way, in a, in a way that is very dangerous, you know, using vehicles as, as weapons. Um, an announcement that the FBI was going to investigate that as a crime, I hope that helped maybe have some deterrent effect that that, um, that is not welcome. And that regardless of what Trump has to say, you could go to prison if you engage in that kind of behavior. You know, there is a, a civil rights statute uh, that talks about any effort to intimidate people who are voting or campaigning is a federal offense. And so uh, I hope that that kind of show had some deterrent effect, you know, here in Michigan, where we had this plot uh, disrupted, uh, allegedly, to kidnap the governor, and then some um, concerns about whether people would bring guns to polling places. Our attorney general, Dana Nessel, came out very strongly uh, talking about criminal consequences for people who engage in violence or intimidation at the polls. And so I, I hope that, that that strong show of law enforcement had a deterrent effect that maybe tamped down anybody who got some wise ideas. We did have a little incident yesterday where um, in one of the places in Detroit where they were preparing the ballots to be counted and they were just removing them from envelopes, someone showed up in one of those, you know, Friday the 13th Jason masks and started uh, making uh, wild accusations about how the process was crooked and things like that. And the police did respond and just ask him to leave. So, you know, it doesn't take much, um, but I, I'm very pleased to see that we have not had wide-scale violence. I'm concerned that I've seen many places boarding up their windows, you know, stores mm -hmm. and uh, was it Walmart deciding not to sell guns because of their concerns. Uh, I hope that that was just an abundance of caution and that it turns out in the end that, that there was no uh, reason to have worried. Yeah, I think so too. And and like you said, the law enforcement pr uh, presence, I, I know I've spoken to a few people in law enforcement that, you know, said I, after what happened with uh, the governor there uh, and finding out that there were undercover agents uh, infiltrating those groups that, you know, it, it, it sent the message out to the Pugaloo boys and the Proud boys like, hey, uh, all your friends might not be your friends. Right. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> Gotta think twice. So. I thought that was interesting. Well, Barb, it's been so great to talk to you. Um, I hope you're having a great time. Uh, I, I'm on pins and needles right now, but. Uh... Yeah, I know what you mean. It's um, it's a little bit uh, nerve wracking to watch it all come in, but I'm hopeful. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the three of you. And thanks for getting us through these past four years. We appreciate all that you've done. Great public service and keeping us all informed. So thanks very much. And um, hang in there all night. Yeah, Thank you, you too. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Barb. David. Hi there. How are you? Good. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I guess about as well for me as it is for you, mm -hmm. um, which is not good, I don't think. Uh, you know, not bad, just uh, on pins and needles and might be for a long time. I don't know. I, I'll tell you, can I be a pessimist for briefly? Sure. Um, the worst president in American history, the most corrupt president in American history, 
is not being repudiated by the American people. Um, in the states where he had support, he still has support. In the states where it was close, it's still close. Um, it's not going to be a shutout. In the five southern states where we thought maybe we could get an early decision and see a big swing against him, in Florida and Georgia and North Carolina, Texas, um, it's not what we're seeing. So, you know, to me, that's not a good sign. We've seen a woman from QAnon get elected to the House. Uh, we've just seen this guy, Madison Cawthorn, who tweeted out his visit to Hitler's summer retreat as one of his life dreams, get elected to the House. Um, uh, we've seen Mitch McConnell get reelected, John Cornyn get reelected. If the Democrats take the Senate, it's going to be a squeaker, right? Yeah. Um, and if they don't take the Senate and they squeak out a win in the Electoral College with the, ha the White House, well, that'll be good. What do you think the next couple of years are going to be like in terms of productivity in Washington? And what do you think the message to the Republican Party has been? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that was the question in 2016, right? Like, we thought that we all thought Hillary Clinton was going to win and the message to the Republicans was going to be, uh, you can't go this Trumpy route. It, it doesn't work. You're going to get destroyed. And then that didn't happen. And they all thought, well, OK, I guess that means that we should be Trumpy. But it doesn't seem clear that that's really helping them either. So I, I don't know what the message to the Republican Party is. I mean, I know what message I'd like to give the Republican Party, but I don't think they'd listen to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, I, I just wish it were that mixed. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, kind, I sort of half share your pessimism because I think that I would have liked to see him get no more than 50 electoral votes <laughs> uh, because of just simply because of how corrupt he is. But, you know, we have to consider he's got a full on propaganda machine here in this country domestically and uh, from foreign actors as well. And that is something that we haven't had to battle back against before. Um, but these, the big, can like battleground states that you know and i just like you like texas i would have loved to have seen a blowout in texas i would have loved to have seen a blowout in georgia i would have loved to have seen him at least be up in florida by a hundred thousand votes it doesn't look like it's happening um we're still waiting for for them to call they're still too early to call but we know how they're leaning but what i am mostly got my eyes on is is gonna is gonna be that rust belt. It's gonna be Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, that that area. And you know, we know for a fact Manafort couldn't give their polling information to the Kremlin again this year because Manafort's been sort of under the weather, aka in prison. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I I'm. Trump would have to win two of those and Arizona and Texas and Florida. And I just don't know if I, and North Carolina. And I just don't know if I see that happening. I don't think he's going to, I think, you know, I, I think right now it looks like 
um, Biden will win Michigan and Biden will win Wisconsin based on polls as opposed to the results we've seen so far. It looks like Pennsylvania is going to drag out for several days. And it looks like, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we see the president who is supposed to make remarks a little later this evening, you know, say that we're going to go and fight a bunch of legal battles in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that, you know, Ohio, which right now is sort of the surprise that Biden's up by a couple of points, maybe, or a point and a half in, in Ohio, that would be wonderful. That'd be a huge deal if you didn't have to rely on Pennsylvania. But nobody expected that, and, and, and it doesn't seem super likely. So what you could end up with, and, 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 and it would be kind of naive to bet against this, is win Wisconsin, win Michigan, and have to spend the next three weeks fighting in Pennsylvania to win that. And then, and then Biden probably wins that, unless the Supreme Court really is off the reservation. But then, you know, then what? That, you know, and that, that to me is the, the question. Is it a 50-50 Senate? Is it, a, is it still a Republican Senate? Um, and, and have the Trumpist forces sort of consolidated themselves in all these places? I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could also tell you that 20, you know, there's demographics. <clears throat> Texas and Florida and a lot of places are going to look a lot different in 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, if, if Trump gets another four years in office, Florida may not even be there, you know, because of, you know, but I don't know. I mean, tell, tell, say something optimistic. <laughs> I, I mean, optimistic. Arizona's still out there. <laughs> uh, how about how about all else fails? We still hold the house. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, well, and that's not nothing, right? In 2016, we did not have the house, and that was a really big deal. I mean, luckily, the Trump administration wasn't very good, or the Republicans in Congress and the Senate weren't very good at getting as much through as they probably could have, but. Uh, but it's a really big deal that we have the House and can stop some of the the major terrible things that they would do otherwise. Yeah, um, and, and Fox News has predicted, has projected that the Democrats will pick up five seats in the House, mm-hmm. so that the, the the majority will get a little bigger there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is sort of that's good news. You know, we could feel better about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, do you th- do you think any of these other swing states are going to come come across for Biden, other than Michigan and Wisconsin? I, I mean, Biden is still leading in Ohio. I you know I don't want to pin too much on that, but I think it's impressive that he's even leading at this point. I think the fact that uh, even if he ends up losing Ohio, the fact that it's so much closer than it was in 2016. I think really points to Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin going blue for sure. So I, I mean, we'll see. I, I'm <laughs> it's a bunch I, of we'll see. Isn't yeah. it? I mean, that's just sort of where we've been. And uh, um, I mean, you asked for something optimistic that I could tell you a hundred percent for certain. I have a lot of optimism uh, elsewhere, but none that I'm could possibly be a hundred percent certain about. Um, 
I, I do think he'll get enough of the Rust Belt to to be able to not take Florida, North Carolina, or Texas, um, it, because I believe he will take. I believe, I believe Biden will take Arizona, and that's enough to win. And that's sort of where my where my head's at. But like you said, it could come down to Pennsylvania and a Supreme Court decision. Well, that's that was to me the the, the I guess the thing that I was hoping for was that you would get two or three states that would make Biden's victory certain. A buffer zone. Which would then make it fruitless for them to do the legal strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Because they would know, well, they might win here, but it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. And and so what I worry about is that doesn't happen. And, and that they then, that we end up getting into one of these nightmares like the year 2000. Um, in which, you know, we got the wrong result in Susan. You know, we 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 look back at twenty years ago and and we sort of say, oh yeah, you know, Bush v. Gore. It, that that was wrong. That that wasn't what I, that was. You know, that that election was stolen by the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I'm a downer. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think the other thing is, like, let's say the worst happens and Trump wins. We know so much more now about how to push back. We know so much more about how to be the resistance and how to call Congress people and like all these things that we had to build from the ground up in 2016 because no one was paying attention. Doesn't have to be built now. It's it's already there. It's in full power and. Sure, I'd far rather be the party in power, but um, but it is not 2016, and it is not 2016 again, even if Trump manages to pull this out, which, you know, I still don't think is the most likely scenario. Um, yeah, so trying again to see the silver lining, if Biden does squeak it out, and we do have the House... It'll make a big difference to have, say, Sally Yates as Attorney General than mm-hmm. you know. You know, it, you know, if the House subpoenas somebody, it'll get enforced. Yeah, if we can't get justice through the Senate, we might be able to get it through the actual Department of Justice, where it should fucking come from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's got it right in the name, ladies and gentlemen, Department of Justice. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I, I, you, you, there are. Aside from, I mean, you know, House we keep. Yeah. Senate we don't get the White House, bummer, but we got the White House. White House we don't get the Senate, super bummer, but we got the Senate <laughs> and the House. And, and, we now we, <laughs> and now we've got control over the judiciary. Uh, you know, so and not control, but you know, uh, the ability to appoint judges uh, and, and and legislate, and you can legislate around a conservative court, kind of. Uh, if you know, if if you. Right. You put your mind to it. Um, but I mean, well, you know, shit. Yeah, but it should be right. You know, I just wrote a book called Traitor because he was a traitor, yeah. right? He betrayed the country even before he got elected the last time and then over and over again. And he was corrupt and he's a like a rapist and he's a tax fraud and he's all these things. And it should be. It should be. He gets no votes. He should get zero yeah. votes, right? Or you know, maybe Ivanka votes for him. Um, but it, you know, that's just not what's happening here. And so, you know, it goes back to your 
your point, AG, there are two realities in America. The people are watching two different movies, you know, at the at the same time. And that means not, you know, I was swapping tweets with uh, Ed Luce, the Financial Times. You know, it's not that we have a dysfunctional democracy. It's we have a dysfunctional society. Mm. Well, that and that is something we're going to have to deal with, regardless of who wins what body and uh, and who appoints what judges. But, David, thank you for coming in tonight. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Now, no, what a lot of joy. No, seriously, tell everybody about your book, where they can get it, and uh, where they can find you on Deep State Radio and all that. Oh well, the book you can find wherever you find books. It's called Traitor: A History of American Betrayal from Benedict Arnold to Donald Trump. Um, and you know. Please, by all means, get it or get a Kindle or get an Audible. And um, Deep State Radio is at the DSRnetwork.com or wherever you you know look for podcasts. And um, and uh, you know come listen to our discussions, which this week were momentarily optimistic, but that's you know as you can see, that's all that all that all that air is out of the tire. <laughs> all right, David. Thanks very much. Thanks. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sun Basket. Are you looking for fresh dinners that taste great, that are delivered right to you and take zero effort? Well, Sun Basket delivers fresh and ready meals that are fast, fresh, delicious, and so easy to make. They heat up in just minutes. You can enjoy incredibly tasty, nutritious meals and avoid the grocery stores. That's so important, especially this winter. And Sun Basket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences. They have Mediterranean, vegetarian, gluten-free, paleo, that's me, and more. They make it easy and incredibly convenient because everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and ready to cook and you can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes and even i can do it and i burn jello and this stuff is so delicious each week they deliver a wide range of recipes that you can choose from so you can try dishes like chicken cacciatore with spaghetti black angus steaks with garlic herb ghee that is my favorite and mushrooms and spinach too and then north african black lentil pitas with tangy carrot cranberry salad it's so good you can order from any recipes across their menu skip a week if you need to or double up on your favorite ones and and the facilities, their facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety because they reinforce their adherence to operating procedures, but they've increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family and their employees because they love us all. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. Jennifer, me, Mandy, reader. This is a, a co-host of, of Daily Beans and, and our producer from a way, ways back. Um, Canadian. Um, and I was wondering if you could give kind of that perspective sort of from outside looking in, because I heard a report earlier today that there was uh, like the government of Australia said, if there's any shenanigans, we're not going to recognize the results of your election. And it gave me huge pause. Wow. To think that, oh my God, are we are we the Zimbabwe now? Are we the Russia where we're having illegitimate elections? And I was wondering what Mandy, what you thought about that? Um, yeah, just earlier I was actually hearing that um, uh, there are, are more eyes on the U.S. election than ever before, and as many as in you know in I don't want to use the wrong word here, but in countries where a democracy is shakier, and um, 
And yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that's true. And what's more disturbing than that, I think, is all of my friends and family in Canada have sent me really like somber, grim messages today. <laughs> like I've gotten a lot of messages just from like my like my sibling's partner, my set my great aunt, like people I don't talk to very often who've been like thinking of you today on this hard day. And like all of the cover, it's like all really grim because they basically are like, you're moving home, right? Like, it's just, it's, yeah. So it's very, um, it, it doesn't help with my sense of uh, calm, <laughs> but um, I, I would say that most of your, most of the allies of the U.S. are, are, are definitely going out of their way to, 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 to be calm and to wait for the results. So that's really heartening, at least, you know, yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say that, that as much as like you were saying, the media coverage here hasn't changed at all. It's still really breathless and still really like frantic and panicked and fear mongering at least in some of our, the countries that are allied to us, they're like, we're going to wait. We're going to, we're going to wait it out. We're going to stay calm. We want to be confident in the results of the election. So like, that's good. But yeah, I, I can, I can confirm that uh, the rest of the world caring thing, because I got invited onto BBC radio and I'm like, I'm not an expert. I'm just some lady who talks on a podcast, uh -huh. but you know, they were like, we want to know what's going to happen in the election. <laughs> What does BBC Radio care about the U.S. election? They care they so care. much. <laughs> they really uh, because do. what we do has an impact on, on you know, if we're nationalists and isolationists, mm -hmm. it has an impact on the world economy. And Aaron Hutton just asked uh, if we think we can still flip the Senate. My answer is yes. I, I still think that we're we're on track to do that. Again, uh, we're still... Yeah, there's going to be a runoff yeah. in Georgia in the uh, special one in Georgia. Is that right? Uh, so Kelly Loeffler and oh, yeah. Raphael Warnock are going yes. to a runoff. So we might not know for a while. Uh -huh. Got it. But I, I keep hearing Mark Kelly. Uh, have Has anyone got any uh, verification that that's been called? I don't think AP don't has think called so. it. He is up pretty significantly right 55 now. 55% is what I saw uh, just before I was coming on. He's up significantly, but, you know, I don't want to call anything before it's time. Yeah, 55 to 44. He's up 10 points. Yeah, and uh, the Associated Press hasn't called it, but it is 72% reporting so far. Yeah, and it's been kind of stuck at that for a while. But, I mean, we still have uh, what's going on with Cal Cunningham. Uh, and Al Gross in Alaska. I mean, I, we had a lot. We have a lot of opportunity. And again, mm -hmm. Jennifer, we have three hundred and sixty-four thousand ballots sitting in post offices <laughs> uh, around the country, and we can't not talk about that. We know? have to talk about it. The media. We yeah. have to talk about it. It is. Um, it's so important that that gets out there. That people understand that this is not. 10,000 ballots, you know, 16,000 ballots in somewhere. Mm -hmm. This is nearly a half a million votes mm -hmm. in swing states. Mm -hmm. where and there's no legality for Trump to challenge the, the halting of the counting, right? No, yeah. Yeah, there's no legal grounds in which that he could stop any of the counting. No, it's, there's, there's absolutely no legal basis. There's, I don't think any court mm -hmm. would be standing in that. Not even, not even the Amy Coney Barrett court. I mean, that's yeah. you know, just absolutely uh, ridiculous. And honestly, I think there would be a general strike if anything like that happened. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but you know, tonight we've got 
fucking Louis DeJoy just ignoring a court order. And as long as we've been reporting on stuff like this, Kelly and Jen, you can attest to this. Mandy, you know, too. Uh -huh. They've come close, but they've never flat out refused to uh, comply with a court order. We haven't seen that yet, and we saw it today. And that is something that is what we, when I say if Biden doesn't win by 10 million, something's fishy. Yeah. One side on NPR Live, they have main one and main two. What is that about? So uh, the main, uh, main has two congressional districts. The first district is very uh, small, and the second district is very large. I think I have that right. Did I, do I have it flipped? I think that's right. And uh, the weird thing about Maine and Nebraska is that unlike every other state in the country that gives all their electoral votes to the winner of that state, in Maine and Nebraska, they apportion them by congressional district. So it is possible, in fact, if this got to a tie, 269 to 269, and a tie would be terrible, we don't want to tie in the electoral right. college, uh, it is possible that it would actually end up being 270 because uh, Biden is very likely to win the Nebraska second district. Yeah. No, well, I thought he lost that district. Well, I don't think, it already, I thought for Trump. Uh, I haven't seen anything about the district, the Nebraska second district. It would be very strange if Biden lost the second district. Mm -hmm. Looks like the map I'm looking at doesn't break it out by districts, but wow. um, okay. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Bitcoffer was calling that district for ever for Biden. So I would be, you know, like you, I'd be, sh yeah, that's what I was just watching TV. I thought, I thought it was called. For well, it's like Omaha and then right. the rest of it. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Is there anything else in Nebraska other than Omaha? <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of stranded Trump rally goers in the cold. That's probably. That was in the second district, though. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was Omaha. And, and uh, what did you did it? Three times in a week? Yeah, also in Pennsylvania and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, three times in a week. Right. After the third time, I realized, because I was thinking to myself, why would he do this? He sees the reports. He wants these votes, obviously, because he's campaigning there. After the third time, I realized that you know, the campaign's probably trying to save money. Yeah. Right? It was just so trying to save the, money. It was just really hard. And the first time, I felt really bad for, uh, like... As a, as a healthcare worker, I'm like, you know, do no harm, take care of their health. People were yeah. getting hypothermia. Second time, I'm like, all right, guys, maybe. Yeah. And then third time, I'm like, fuck y'all, dude. I, you, I don't even know. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, you're G.W. Bush. So I don't, I don't know if it was confirmed, but the story I read about uh, about what happened in Nebraska, so the first time, and I don't know what happened right. in the second or, or third time, but the first time was that the bus drivers were expecting to get paid when they got there. They got there, they did not get paid, and they said, all right, fine, we're leaving, we're not sticking around oh. for a few hours, which... I, like I said, I don't know if this is confirmed, but it seems completely in keeping with what you would expect out of Trump. So it, it right. had the ring of authenticity. Yeah. And I've heard that t twice for two of the rallies. I don't know, you know about the third one. But then I also for the first one, uh, the Omaha one, I heard that uh, because of there's only like one road into the airport and because of Trump's motorcade and all the road closures, mm -hmm. uh, it he, he kind of fucked the buses on that and they couldn't get in or out of where they were going. So they just gave up. But I, I haven't actually heard any like full on definitive reporting. I think we'll probably get it sometime this week from the major news outlets on, on what exactly happened with those. But 
it's still bullshit. Like it would be par for the bill yeah. though if it was not paying the bill. I mean, well, what right. does it currently owe in how many states? <laughs> Forty million. Less. Last I heard, it was it was between seventy and eighty million, but that was wow. months ago. Yeah. 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 So I have not heard a lot yet from the Biden campaign, um, but one thing that a couple of people have been saying, and I think is important to reiterate, is that we know Trump is going to try to claim victory, right? There is no reason that we should feed into that narrative. We still have every expectation that Biden is going to win in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, and the Nebraska Second District, putting him over 270. That's always been the most likely thing. We should not feed into this narrative. I know we're all doom and gloom. I know we're Democrats yeah. and we catastrophize, but we should not feed into this narrative that Trump is winning because that makes it that much easier for him to claim that, to try to push things through the courts. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we hold on to this, that we've got the votes. They're coming. Uh-huh. They're just not counted yet. Yeah. We count every vote. Over 2 million votes out still yeah. in Pennsylvania that need to be counted. What's That's making you guys feel hopeful at this current time? <laughs> where, uh, where, how, but no, seriously, because there are things that are looking good. What's looking good? Yeah. Arizona's looking good. Yeah. And we didn't need it. Yeah, Arizona looks great. So, yeah, fingers crossed. And we did need that. Uh, and yeah, I, I think Milwaukee also looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I am. Um, I mean, I have this, but um, <laughs> but I am I'm as confident now as I was this morning going into the election. Um, it is. You know, nothing has changed substantively uh-huh. in the past 12 hours. Uh-huh. I'm a little yeah. bit less confident in the Senate, I think, than I was well, this morning. Yeah. I, I think we have seen some calls there that I was kind of hoping for. But, uh, but yeah, there's no reason for us to be less confident in the presidential race than we were this morning. And like I keep saying, if we hadn't gone through 2016, it would right. not uh-huh. feel that scary. <laughs> and we almost knew he was going to claim victory this evening. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, just compared to 2016, like I think at this time, if I can remember correctly, this time in 2016, we were all pretty certain at this moment that it was not going to happen for Clinton. Like at yeah. this moment in the evening, it was clear that nothing was going to turn that ship around. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think I think in about about four minutes from now, when we started getting the Pennsylvania numbers that yeah. we can't have right now because. They haven't counted them yet because they're all mail-in. Yeah. That's when it was, that's when the, when Pennsylvania dropped, we were like, oh. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of the end of the night. But we, this is, there's just, there's no, there's no way, you know, Jennifer, like you said, we, there's something fishy if, or did I say that? Maybe I said well, that. you did. <laughs> that's how we it's did. going. Yeah. It all blurs together at one point. Yeah, I think um, the Senate is, um, I was really hopeful about all stuff. Yeah. Really hopeful. You know, after watching that debate, I thought, oh, God, this is, you know, this is a real chance. And I'm, I'm, I'm bummed out about that. With Jamie Harrison? Well, that, of course. Yeah. But uh, it was I, I was, I really thought all was going to win. Yeah. And be all right. Well, Brian Williams just said all of Nebraska went to Trump. 
How is that even possible? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought I heard before I I came on. That's fucking fishy. I don't like it. I'm I'm mostly surprised because Big Coffer was so confident in that second district there, or fourth, second fourth. Mm. I think. Guys, this is just the red mirage. This is the red mm-hmm. mirage. This is okay. It was always wait. coming. We have to wait for these votes to be counted. I've been we by everyone. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think in fact it's pretty clear we're not gonna know tonight uh yeah. one way or another. So uh at some point we'll have to figure out when we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> we're presumably not talking all the way till Friday. <laughs> no, I was thinking 8 30, uh 11 30 Eastern. We'll yeah. keep uh, our eyes on it. You know, we all, I'll, I'll be doing the sh- podcast tomorrow and, you know, we'll be putting out clips from this show. And we'll be talking about this all week. And it's going to keep, there's just, we're going to need to keep counting and follow my own advice. <laughs> she goes. Keep your spirits yeah. up, everyone. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, keep I mean, your spirits up. Do not play into the, his narrative. Just don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but the thing is, it's, it's important that the national media doesn't play into the narrative. And the fact that, you know, Trump keeps feeding them, you know, he, he feeds them the narrative and they pick it up. I mean, he's been saying, you know, let's stop, you know, let's stop counting, yeah. you know, tonight's the election results. And then you started to get major news outlets saying, you know, like, are the results, should they be in on election night? It's the thing, yeah. though. They've done like election after election. They know better than he does. And, and so that's what worries me, right? Well, yeah. we are also the media, guys. <laughs> we are the media. Yeah. <laughs> we will help control the media narrative. All of you watching, you uh-huh. can help us control this this narrative. Uh, it's it's really important. And, you know, I think the other thing that keeps happening is that when Republicans lose these lawsuits, when they try to stop counting from happening and things, people are saying it's a win for Democrats. No, it's a win for voters. We need to keep reiterating that as a win for voters. It is a win for democracy when the Republicans don't get to discount our votes. So yeah. it's important That's to excellent. keep messaging around that as well. It's when the Republicans say, oh, we lost that, uh, that fight. <laughs> it's like... I, I remember I, I can't remember who it was, but they were out at a, at a at a Trump rally and they were getting people to be like, yeah, your vote should count. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every vote should count. Right. Yeah. Count the votes. Count the votes. They were getting all these Trump supporters to chant, you know, count every vote. And it was beautiful because everybody believes everyone's vote should be counted. Uh-huh. It's not until you figure out that they're that they're, they're coming at you from the Daily Show that people are like, hey, wait a minute, F you and I. And you're like, what, you don't want your vote counted? And it's, it makes no sense. You're right. We have to change that narrative. Yeah. All right, y'all. Okay, y'all. It was so nice to see you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for hanging out. Tonight. Jenny, great to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hopefully, not the not the last time. We'll be <laughs> celebrating in a few days. Yeah, no, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna have to pull you in on the daily beans, and we're gonna be de- so you can say I told you so, and we can all feel better about it. <laughs> exactly. I'm getting on on that. Sweet. Everybody, it all has right. been. It's been real, guys. It's been an adventure. This was right, wonderful. And it's only like eight thirty for you guys. I'm like, I gotta go to bed. Yeah. I'm exhausted. You guys are like the beginning of the evening. <laughs> it's it's been truly an honor, uh, ladies, to to, yeah. to do this with you. Thank you for thinking of me, and uh, I look forward to maybe having some follow ups and yeah. 
see where we're at. Yeah, and thank right. you for everyone who joined us, uh, the, yes. the, the people who watched and listened and, and chatted. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Good night, Good everybody. Good night. Good night. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>